Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another episode of the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Ellen. The number one cancer killer worldwide is lung cancer, which took 1.8 million lives in 2020. When we started this podcast, Corey and I, in October of 2016, one of the first interviews we did was with a man who used cannabis to clear his lung cancer in only 10 weeks. So how's he doing? Funny you should ask, because we're going to talk to him today to see how he has been these last six years. And joining us from New Brunswick is David Price. David, this is a stupid question, but sometimes I ask stupid questions. Do you think you would last this long simply by taking cannabis oil? Well, to be honest with you, when it all started, I didn't think I was going to last past six months to a year. It's been over six years now, so it's six years and about a month since uh, I was cleared of cancer. The interesting thing, David, in looking back at the podcast we did with you uh, six years ago, you cleared your lung cancer in only 10 weeks, which is pretty bloody remarkable. Yes, and I, when I look back on it now and the experience that I've had uh, over the last six years, and I've dealt with a lot of people that have have had cancer or passed away from cancer, uh, different types of cancer, And I I would say that my success was based on the fact that I followed the protocol. I followed the diet. I didn't give in to anything. I never took any breaks. I never took any timeouts. Uh, I stayed with it and I I stayed the course. And I firmly believe in my mind now and through a number of other cases that I've been involved with it, that I was successful because because of that. Yeah, you, you totally embraced it right from the start. When you did it, you went in whole hog, not with your toe in the water. You were like, boom, this is what I need to do. Yeah, everything was on schedule. Everything was on time. It was a it was a firm commitment by me. It was well, it was about my life. Yes. David, tell us about the day that you went to the doctor and you were told that you had lung cancer. Well, that was sort of a strange situation is that uh, unfortunately, because of our healthcare system is that uh, most lung cancers are you're you're too late by the time it's, it's discovered. Uh, I was fortunate enough that I had a friend of mine who's a doctor who uh, I went to the emergency because I had I was having a lung infection after lung infection and he talked to me and and I explained to him like well I was worried because my brother had recently while well, he passed away about a year before from lung cancer and it was a horrible death and he said to me he said well I want to try to alleviate your fears he said I'm going to send you for a CT scan. He says, I don't think it's anything serious, but so usually here in New Brunswick, you can wait for literally six months to a year to get a CT scan. Uh, He sent me for the CT scan and uh, the next day he called me and he said that, uh, he called me on my home phone number and said that I had a, a tumor in my lung and he was sure it was cancer. That was a blow to me because of what happened to my brother. He was 
he was so ill and he suffered horribly, 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 horribly for almost four months before he passed away. And at that point, I swore that I would never do chemo, radiation or any kind of form of treatment like that, because what happened to him was it took the exact opposite effect of what it was supposed to do. Uh, and they all go in, the oncologists all go in and say, no, yes, they're all positive. Uh, this is going to help. That's going to help. And we'll have you fixed up in no time. But when I told him I wasn't going to do it, he, they weren't happy. And that's when the journey started. <laughs> so had you tried cannabis prior to your, your treatment? Oh, yes. Yes, I had. But it was recreational. Yeah. All recreational, yeah. I think it's the misinformation that people have is that cannabis is really not a medicine. It's more recreational, getting high, having fun, things like that. That's the stereotype that cannabis has. And I think Mm -hmm. it's really something, Corey and I have talked about this, it's really an education process to educate people constantly over and over and over again that recreation is fine if you want to do it. Nobody's ever died uh, consuming too much cannabis. But there is a component of the cannabis plant that is really, really beneficial. That's why we have endocannabinoid system in our body. Yes, and, yes. And was it hard for you to take the oil? It wasn't hard to take it. It was, uh, it was fun. It was a gradual increase. That, <laughs> by the time I got to week, I'd say eight, yeah. the last two weeks of my treatment, like I could hardly recall. Call actually, I can hardly recall most of the ten weeks, but the last <laughs> few weeks I was uh, I was pretty well bombed out because it, the difficult part of this, and that, and that's what I tell people, is that I said it's not for the weak-hearted. You you have to be strong-willed and you have to be willing to take on the fight and fight hard. I said because you you will be high twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week until this is done. And the only time that my wife had any kind of I guess, real conversation with me, like where I was quite cognizant was be the first thing in the morning, because that would be my longest stretch from bedtime to when I woke up in the morning, when I, when I would take my dose, my first dose. You did it all orally, right, David? Yes, it was all oral. Yeah. And I, plus I I did a uh, natural pass uh, cancer diet, which uh, detoxed my whole body. And I stayed religiously on that for, for the three months, really. What was that diet like? Well, just a, a little outline of what that diet was. Well, very quickly, it was all organic. All your vegetables were steamed. They were all green. Uh, you stayed away from any sugars like corn or any vegetable that would have sugar in it. You stayed away from potatoes. You could have sweet potatoes. You could have uh, no red meat. You could have chicken and, and fish, white fish preferably. But anything that had like soy sauce, everything had to be organic. Honey was organic. Peanut butter was organic. Bread was, there was no white bread, no white rice, no white potatoes. Anything white was off milk. I was on silk milk. Bananas were off the, were off the menu as well. Bananas? Yeah. Oh, yeah, bananas weren't good for me, no. Sugar was absolutely out of it. Coffee was out of it, too. I, I could only drink tea. But it's kind of amazing. You start looking around, and next thing you know, you can eat wild rice, you could have bread and it was either kamut or uh, spelt bread. And that sufficed me quite well for over the period of time that I was sick. During that period of time, through the whole process, I never lost any weight. However, I made a mistake. 
it takes you a long period of time to increase your doses to build your tolerance. And if anybody's doing this, I suggest that you never, ever just stop. It's like anything else that you take as a medication, whether you just don't up and stop, you should wean yourself off and, you know, gradually over a week or two. But I just stopped it. If you ask me if I got sick, I didn't get sick. I just couldn't eat and I lost probably about 25 pounds. And that was the cause of it, was that my system, my body was so used to the cannabis and the THC and the and flowing through my blood that it, it reacted negatively. But other than that, it actually was a good thing. I needed to lose some weight. <laughs> David, when you were diagnosed, if I recall, and this may not be correct, but I think you were stage three. Stage three, yes. And you were non-small cell? Yes. Did they give you any kind of prognosis at all? The oncologist said, look, he said, the worst case scenario, he said, uh, without treatment, you have six months with treatment, probably a year. That's the worst. Wow. And, but there's a possibility that we could actually get rid of all of it. Uh, and I said, well, I, I'd like to have faith in you. I said, but I can't. I, I just don't have the will or the, I, I just can't do it. Uh, and I won't do it. And at that point, uh, I had started the cannabis treatment because uh, down here in New Brunswick, unfortunately, our, I don't know whether it's right across the country or whatever. It takes a long time to get things rolling because uh, you got to remember, I was diagnosed in April and I succumbed to the uh, removal of my tumor, which had shrunk quite significantly. I was down to stage one or two, I believe. Yeah. And uh, it went from three and a half centimeters down to less than a centimeter. And when they did the uh, PET scan, uh, they found that there was a tumor in my adrenal gland, which meant that uh, the cancer was heading for my kidneys. So that disappeared. And they have no reason, they have no idea why, and they have no idea why it wouldn't, uh, why, what, what happened to it. And they didn't understand why my tumor shrunk. And when I tried to discuss it with the surgeon, he would have nothing to do with the conversation. And when I spoke to the oncologist, he made sense. And I think that's only fair to the, to the medical professionals. that They are people of science. And uh, he asked me, uh, he said, would you go out and if I sent you down to Rome and you went to the Vatican and uh, you drank holy water, would you believe that that would cure your cancer? And I said, well, no. And he said, well, that, that's because we need to have a proven science before we can support it. And that's why they could not support cannabis treatment. However, since then, we're finding more and more doctors are telling their patients who are taking the cannabis. They're saying, if you're comfortable with that and you believe in that, then you, sh you should go ahead and do it. And they're not recommending one way or another anymore. It doesn't seem to be that way. They're they're quite content to say, if that's going to if that's going to work for you and it makes you comfortable, you go ahead and do it. Um, and and you know, like over the last six years, like Corey and I have been back and forth there occasionally, and I've been involved in numerous cases. But I would say, the vast majority are people who contact me with the hail marys, and they're at death's door. And I can attest to the fact that those who did that were at death's door, they were suffering, they were in pain, they were eating, they weren't sleeping. They got on the cannabis and they're, I've never received one negative response for anybody that did pass that got onto the cannabis treatment 
was that their appetite increased, their their pain was subsided immensely, and they passed peacefully. But then I've had my success stories too. But even today, like people really, really want their privacy respected. They don't want people to know that they were doing it or, and, and I get it. I, I get it. Where There's still a lot of myths. I have friends now, like, I mean, how long has marijuana been legal now in Canada? A couple of years, eh? at least. And today people will not take marijuana in front of people, other people, because of the social, uh, you know, interpretation of, some, of using it. So, Yeah, I can recall, David, when Corey and I started this, we did a tour of a facility. We were looking for a place to do the podcast, and mm-hmm. um, I stupidly said maybe we should rent a place. <laughs> and we found a place, and it was it was good. We thought, okay, this will work. And the woman said, what's your podcast about? We said, medical cannabis. She phoned up the next day and said, we can't rent it to you because yeah. can- because cannabis at that time was still illegal. Marijuana. Marijuana. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, mis- mind-blowing. I think that was your first little eye-opener that this wasn't going to be that easy a terrain to <laughs> no <laughs> yeah it was it was an eye-opener and one of the things that Corey and I have talked about in with with Corey uh, talking to people around the world is that Corey I think you've mentioned that lung cancer by taking cannabis by suppository is one of the easiest to deal with that's been my experience yeah yeah. And D- David did his all orally. And... All orally. And back in the day, that's what it was about was all orally. You know, I mean, I had done some suppositories, but I also had anal cancer, right? So it made sense. Yeah. But, you know, we didn't sort of morph into having people use suppositories for several years, actually. But so for David to be able to get, you got to a gram, right, David? Oh, yes, yes. Possibly more. He doesn't recall. <laughs> he doesn't recall. <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> His wife wishes he was still on a gram. <laughs> yeah, yes. By times, yes, she does. Yeah. So I think it's important that people understand too, David. You did. You did what's called cannabis paste as opposed yes. to cannabis oil. Because you called yes. me up and we discussed both, I believe. And the reason that I chose that, Corey, was it was a bit cheaper. And it was easier to ingest. I found it was very simple to take. It was, there was no, no strong burning after effects in your mouth or, you know, or trying to woof it down with a piece of bread or soak it up in something. The paste, the, the individual who, who made it for me. Uh, and, but I didn't do it blindfolded. I, I looked at the different process of making the oil and making the paste. And there was significant similarities. And the end results were... Obviously, it worked for me. And, you know, like paste or oil, whatever the person's choice wants to be. I mean, it's an informed choice. Uh, I think oil has a higher degree of success from what I've seen. But on the other hand, uh, the paste has uh, done wonders for a number of people that I've been in contact with as well. Yeah, Yeah. look what it did for you. I mean, amazing. You know, back in the day, I used to... uh, counsel uh, terminally ill cancer patients coming from a holistic vein. And when I got anybody with uh, lung cancer, I think to myself, okay, two months. And inevitably it would be two months, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a very short lifespan. It was almost always a death sentence once you got cancer, which 
I find so fascinating because for myself, I had more success clearing cancers in the lungs than any other cancer. Yet in the medical world, lung cancer is very, very often a death sentence. So I find it funny. It's two different ends of the spectrum there, you know, yet I'm saying, hey, with oil, this is one of the ones that's the easiest. Let me ask a question of either one of you. What's the difference between oil and paste? Well, the preparation of the paste is actually you can use the green machine or whatever they call it there. Like I'm not making my own. Or I, magic I, I use, butter, magic butter, I think. Yeah, magic butter and all that there. But you can make the oil out of that and you can make the oil, the paste of the same same in the same manner. It's just that you use different carrier oils and, and things like this here and it takes a little bit longer to cook and uh, it's fairly safe to do it that way, that's for sure. And it's a different consistency, definitely. Yes, yes. And yeah, it's a different heat, that's for sure. Um, the difference is that it's thicker and like that's only the only difference I can see is that the oil is thinner and, and uh, the paste is uh, thicker. I, in terms of <clears throat> whether I could say whether there's any difference in the healing properties of it, I don't know. But I can only go based on what I've seen with success stories with oil, which is much more popular than the paste. David, when you when you had your CT scan, tell us about the day that you went in and had your scan and uh, you were all clear. This was the bizarre part of this whole story was that I was operated on on September the 21st in 2016. And when I came out of surgery... My wife was there and she and the doctor, the surgeon, and she said, David, she said, you have no cancer. And the doctor said, no, you have no more cancer. It's gone. Took the tumor, he said, and I took some biopsies. And he said, but I guarantee you, you have no more cancer. So I left it at that and I was happy. I was elated. I couldn't believe it. I knew the tumor and my adrenal gland was gone now what was remaining in my lung was gone. So I went for my follow-up treatment or uh, sorry, appointment, follow-up from the operation. A month later, I was into the surgeon's office and the nurse came in and she said, uh, you, you, well, you had good news. You know, you no longer, yeah, I said, true. I said, but I got a question for you. I said, the, the doctor told me, the surgeon told me that he took samples of my lung and biopsies. I said, how many did he take? She said, well, I'll go get his, go get your file. So she come back with my file. She said, well, he took one, two, three, four biopsies and they were all negative and he took out your tumor and she said it was negative too. <laughs> she said, you didn't even have cancer. Wow. And if I would have known that, I've never had the operation. Yeah, no kidding. My, uh, my cancer was dead. The, the, the tumor died. Wow. And I think that was part of the process of it shrinking. And I'm pretty positive that's what happened in that case. To discuss it with them, they'd have, well, but way back then they wouldn't even discuss it. And I, and I don't think a lot of that they dare discuss it too much. And to be honest with you, my biggest disappointment before I forget about all of this is that I was watching for the first, I'd say, three to four years. And I, I really appreciate, and I know what you, you guys do with the podcast and everything. My reality here is that since pharmaceutical companies and since other companies and everybody and their dog have been 
just pouring out about CBD this and CBD that. CBD is doing everything. People are, they believe this is CBD that's going to kill their cancer. And it's like the THC is not a cure. It, it, it may kill your cancer and it very well may. But now it, it's hard to convince people that it's the THC that you need. And the CBD on top of that is even better but it is not just CBD. The product that you buy with CBD is crap. Oh, we, we know. We interviewed a guy who ran a lab that blind label tested all the different CBD products in the States. And yeah. 90% of them, 90% of them did not contain what they said they did. But David, thank no. you for bringing up that CBD issue again. And I'm just going to repeat basically what David said because I'm getting really sick of losing people who have been on CBD for cancer because they, they honestly believe that CBD will cure in quotations cancer and it won't not on its own. You need that THC component. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't, David, I I don't know about you, but I cannot tell you how many patients I've lost because they finally find their way to me and they've been taking CBD. We get them on THC, but it's too late. They honestly believed it was the CBD that was going to take care of the cancer. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, some of these CBD companies, I can think of a lot of them, um, actually are claiming that they can cure cancer. Where well, there's one out there that's really aggressive about going around saying that. And it's CBD from hemp, and it's not curing cancer. No. But it's true, though. A lot of people say, well, it'll cure my cancer. I said, listen, I said, I'm not going to, there is no cure for cancer. If there was a cure for cancer, we'd be happy. Mm-hmm. It work 100% of the time. But we have an opportunity that it may kill your cancer and prolong your life. And even, even if it doesn't work, it prolongs your life. In fact, I'm going this weekend to, uh, to another part of the province as a memorial to a fellow that had, he had cancer and he passed away. And it wasn't lung cancer, it was different types of cancer. But he, uh, he passed away, but he got onto the cannabis uh, and he lived four years. But I, I'm not sure in his case whether he stopped because a lot of times they, they'll contact me and they stay in touch with me and then dip, they're done with me mm-hmm. and they carry on. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not so sure he didn't stop. Yeah. But yeah. he had terminal cancer and he did live for four years. And, uh, but he took all the treatments, the chemo, the radiation or whatever he had to do. And I, I'm satisfied. A lot of other people are too, that his, his extended life was based on uh, using the THC. David, as you, as, as you know, pancreatic cancer is a real yeah. killer. And yeah. about a month ago, we interviewed this fellow here in British Columbia who, 83 years old, had pancreatic cancer. Given no, kidney. Oh, kidney cancer. I'm sorry. That's right. He had kidney cancer and uh, 83 years old, and he refused chemo radiation and just flooded his body with uh, cannabis oil. Started off with a gram and went up to two grams. <laughs> Corey, after a month, he said he was peeing green. Yeah, he also had lung cancer. He had lung cancer, stage four lung, both yep. lungs, and stage four kidney. He initially yep. wasn't supposed to make it through the night. Then it was, he only had two weeks to a month. So they did two, two grams for one month, and then they dropped down to one gram a week completely cleared this guy. Yeah, and, and we interviewed his daughter, and during the interview, uh, her father was fishing and camping with his son-in-law. 83. 
Well, you know, I, there's one thing I've discovered, though, and I guess that's as time goes on, as people become more, uh, I, I guess uh, we explore different things. And, and now I'm seeing a ha- much higher degree of success now that we've gone to multi-strain oh, oils. Yeah. And, oh, singing my song. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I believe 100% in the, uh, like, finding that right turpin that's going to work for you, for your body, because no two bodies are the same. Yes. And uh, the more strains that you get in there, the better off you'll be. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's difficult, though, to get that many different strains. Yes, it is. Wow. Yes, it can be. Now, David, are you, you're taking a maintenance dose, right? No, I don't take the maintenance dose anymore. Really? Nope. I, nope, I stopped probably about four and a half years ago. Wow. Wow. It doesn't mean that I still don't use it. Okay. I just don't use it every day. We'll say 50% of the time. Okay, okay. Right. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Because uh, I, I wouldn't want people to think that I'm, a, you know, I'm 110% at this all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's a bit risky. But then on the other hand, I, you know, like I, uh, I just felt I didn't need it. You know, my cancer's gone. And I've had at least seven clear CT scans in the last six years. I haven't had any other cancer. Uh, my health is good. Blood pressure is great. I'm living the dream. And I'm over six years. Well, yeah, I'm six, five years anyway, longer than I should have been. So that's a bonus in itself. David, what has been the biggest challenge for you going through this entire process? The biggest challenge for me, I guess, was actually the biggest challenge I had was after. It was after. And then I self-disclosed publicly on Facebook, what I did and everything. And what was challenging is I didn't realize that many people were going to come to me and say, wow, like, uh, what did you do? How did you do it? Uh, you know, can you help my mother? Can you help my father? Can you help my brother? Can you help me? And I've been doing that for the last, since, since I was cleared of cancer. And the challenging part of that is sometimes for me, it's challenging when you get to know these people personally. You actually, I, Corey, I meet them. Many of them I meet and, uh, and they don't make it. That's the most challenging. That's tough. Yeah. yeah. It's really you, you make friends with them and then, and, and they, it's, it's a struggle. But like I say, I've never had one negative bit of feedback. None. None. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that speaks volumes that whatever we're doing with the THC, whether it does save them at the end, that's the best news you can get. But if they do pass, they pass with a lot less grievous pain and yeah. suffering. Quality. Yeah. They, they pass with quality yeah. of life. They've got yeah, their quality of life is, is significantly improved. Yeah. David, can I ask you, what was your, your friend's response, your, your physician friend's response when you cleared yourself? He said, I don't know how you did, David. I don't know how you did it, David, but you did it. And he said, uh, I, I, I don't know what to say uh, pretty well. We just left it at that because he is a good man and I respect his position. And But I talked to another doctor friend and he was telling me, he said, no, 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 David. It wasn't the wasn't the marijuana that saved you. It was the CBD that saved you. It wasn't THC. No. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll tell you what, doc, I know the difference. I wasn't on CBD. I was on THC. You tell me. (laughs) David, did clearing yourself of cancer change your attitude toward life at all? Oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, like people don't realize that unless you're, 
uh, really ill uh, and you're facing death, you have no idea how precious life is. No idea. Every, I guess I live by uh, the saying now is that you can't change history. You can't predict the future and you're in the present. And the, they call it the present because it's a gift. It's a gift that you're still here. And, and that's what the present is. It's that gift of being able to be alive and enjoy the day and not get wrapped up in all the other stuff that's going on in the world and taking on, trying to take on a responsibility for that and losing time with it. I think, I think there's a, there's, there's time for caring for others, but until you look after yourself, you'll, you're the one that has to be happy. That's what I learned from all this. And, and I'm, I'm a very happy man. I mean, I, everybody has their moments, but I try to be. Not always am I a happy man, but I try to be. That's great. David, it's really good to talk to you again and know that you're healthy and that knowing that your wife wants you to get high all the time so you get out of her hair. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she does that. She does my, actually, my wife's doing quite well herself now. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. <laughs> so it's a family thing. Yes, it is. I guess it is now, yeah. No, that's great. David, it was good to talk to you. I appreciate you doing this. Both Corey and I, we love doing this podcast, don't we, Corey? We yeah. do, actually. It's interesting as heck. Yeah. I really appreciate the opportunity to come back and uh, sort of spread the word with you is that, hey, and I want people to know is that this isn't a business for me. It's not a business for anybody. I care about people. Passion. And it's a passion for me, as frustrating as it can be by times. But I mean, there's people that, need other people. And if I didn't have Corey and I didn't have Chris and I didn't have that naturopath or the doctor, even I wouldn't have made it. So it's people need to know that you're not alone and never be afraid to try something that just might work. Very well said, David, thanks very much for doing this. Okay. David, great to see you. Thank you. Oh, it was great to see you guys too. Actually, I didn't see you the last time, Ian. No. It's the first time. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, we were we weren't as uh, technologically inclined back then. No, yeah. and I think I think I had darker hair then. <laughs> yeah, I had more of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today. 
where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.